All right, so if you have your Bibles, uh, you want to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 11. We're going to start a series that will coincide with our uh, uh, small group series. We're going to call our series on the weekends, The Wisdom of Jesus. So we're going to talk about wisdom. What does Jesus say about marriage? And so we're going to have some wisdom about marriage. We're going to have some wisdom about sexuality. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about money. What did Jesus, Jesus said a lot about money. Uh, Jesus said a lot about priorities. And, and so we're going to cover some various subjects. I can promise you it won't be politically correct, but hopefully it will be biblically accurate. There's a difference. I don't know if you know this. There's a difference between the news, Hollywood, media, social media, and the Bible. Have you noticed that difference yet? A little bit. And who's going to influence you? Who's going to raise your children? You or the government? You or the school system? I'm going to say the Bible says it's the parents' job, not the government's job. So, you know, we're going to have some fun in this series and probably challenge all of us in different ways. Uh, wisdom is sometimes a painful learning experience to gain wisdom. It's costly. If you'll see that as you read through Proverbs over and over, it's like, get wisdom. It's more important than rubies and gold and so, whatever it takes, get wisdom. Why? Because the alternative is foolishness. The alternative is, is, is blindness spiritually. It's, it's, it's wandering in our own understanding. And you know, our own understanding doesn't get us close to Jesus. Our own understanding doesn't make us live right. There, there's, there's principles that God has. And so we want to look at Jesus and his words, his life, and his teachings that he has, and the wisdom. But I want to start with kind of an unusual con- contrast. And I love how this worked out because I, I like it. I didn't plan it this way. I'm not that smart. But we're going to talk about an African woman uh, after talking about a bunch of African women. And, and we're going to talk about an African woman that was a queen after we talked about a bunch of African women that learned to be queens in Jesus. And so Jesus is going to speak about this African queen in Luke. First, he's going to mention Jonah, but let's just pick it up in chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds increased, Jesus said, this is a wicked generation. Now, that's not a way to grow a crowd. You know, it's like, Jesus, come on, let's check. Let's be politically correct here. Don't use the word wicked uh, with people. That's going to offend. It's going to trigger somebody. They're going to be triggered. They're going to feel wicked. Well, they are. I am. And we need forgiveness. That's the point of triggering. Get triggered. Good. That triggered you? Good. Then do something. If you get triggered by the Bible, you act on it. You know, I don't know, that bothers me. The Bible bothers me all the time. I mean, reading Proverbs will beat you up. Have you tried it yet? Have you made it for the first few chapters? It's not easy reading. It makes you look in the mirror. It makes you say, whoa, I'm not walking in wisdom in some of these areas. Jesus said to this huge crowd, this is a wicked generation. Remember, wickedness has more to do with the, 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 the morality of the heart, the view, uh, than it does even of actions. It's, these are people that have, have, are forgetting God and turning from God and living life in their own way. And he said, they want a sign from me. They want me to put on a show. And Jesus said, I'll give you a sign. It's called Jonah. In verse 30, he says, as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, he was three days and three nights in a whale. 
It came out basically a picture of the resurrection. There are people today that study the Bible, that teach the Bible, that'll say Jonah was just a parable. Well, Jesus didn't use it as a parable. He used it to reference his resurrection, which is no parable. He's out, there's an empty tomb. And Jonah was a picture that God raises the dead. People can't, they struggle. I don't know how can a person live in a fish. He didn't. He died. God brought him back to life. Whatever way you want to look at it, he protected him for three days, which is a big miracle, or he rose him from the dead. I don't know which one. Either way, Jonah was a miracle, and he went to Nineveh, this godless nation, and they were like, wow, we got to listen to this guy, and they repented, and Jesus holds them up like a model to people that have no church, that the Ninevites had no church, they had no Bible, but they had one preacher with seaweed on him. And they came to Jesus. And here the Son of God is standing there preaching, and they're not listening to him. Then he uses another example, verse 31. The queen of the south, she's called the queen of Sheba in Chronicles, which we're going to look at in a minute. The queen of Sheba, we're not sure where Sheba was. Many think it was in, uh, uh, in Arabia, could have been. But there's a stronger tradition that she came from Ethiopia that she was the queen of Ethiopia, which is a, has a rich tradition uh, in the Word of God. And we happened to land several times in Ethiopia, and they're just, they're beautiful people. Uh, and, and the Ethiopian church is, is vibrant and a lot. And they have a tradition that they have the ark there. Now, if, you know, I'd rather them have it than Indiana Jones. And so they, they, they believe that, that the ark's there. I don't know. Is that, you know, be happy with me uh, for them to have it. Uh, I kind of doubt it because the Bible kind of infers that it's in heaven. But anyway, I won't go down that road. But she, she, in verse 31, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. And the implication is you won't walk across the street to listen to him. She went thousands of miles, risked her life to just hear the wisdom of a man, yet the wisdom of God was in Jesus, and they did not walk across the street to listen to him. He's a joke to them. They mocked him. They didn't see who he was. Now, if Jesus is going to contrast himself by saying, I'm greater than Solomon's, let's look a little bit at Solomon's wisdom and her search for that. So we're going to go in the Old Testament to Second Chronicles. All the first and second books follow one after another. So there's Samuel, Kings, and then Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 9. Now in chapter 1, uh, the chronicler, keeping the history of the kings, uh, talks about the beginning of Solomon's reign as a king. He was David, King David's son. David had a vision to build God a house, a temple. And he, he laid up all the, the, the wealth and the supplies to do it from all the battles he fought. And then God said, it's pretty sad, but David took it well. God said, David, you're not going to get to build a house. It's like, wow. He said, that was my vision. That was my dream. That was my, I'm, I'm, but your son's going to get to do it. That's even better. To a parent, for God to say your son's going to be greater than you were, your daughter's going to be greater than you were, what a, what a, that's, or spiritually, to see Kim and I's greatest joy is to see people that we've invested in go beyond us. 
and go, 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 go further or different or different. That's our joy as spiritual. So David was celebrating. So Solomon comes on the throne. He's a young man. The first thing he does is he sacrifices a thousand animals in one time. Do the math. I mean, how long does it take to kill an animal, put it on, and you know, let's just do it rapid fire. Two, two minutes per death. I'd figured it out. That's like 33 hours of continual worship with blood running like a river. I mean, that, I don't know how many gallons of blood that would be. You could figure that out later, not during church. But a thousand, if there's a gallon of, in each one, that's a thousand gallons. I mean, that, that's just blood. He went to bed that night, blood on his mind, which is a good way to go to bed. I, I claim the blood of Jesus every night before I go to bed. I said, Lord, put your blood over my dreams, guard my thoughts. Lord, don't let the enemy have any access to attack or assault me. It's a good prayer to pray over your children. You teach them the power of the blood of Jesus that gives us the defense and protection against wickedness. And pray over your children. Pray that over your spouse. Pray that over yourself. So he goes to bed and he has this vision. It just, he didn't just have a vision. It's in the context of a heart that's been seeking after God. And God says, Solomon, I'm going to give you a blank check. Write it for whatever you want. You ask me anything you want, I'm going to give it to you. Now, just think about if God, literally, right now, this morning, you had in front of you a blank check that you could write, whatever it is that you would want God to do for you. Think what you would put on that. Just think about it. Just have an honor. Because your prayers, what you pray for, tells much about both who you are and what you think of God. Uh, it, 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 prayers are very revealing. To, to, to pay attention to yourself. What am I praying for? How am I praying? How am I viewing God in these prayers? And Solomon gets this blank sheet. Now, he's never heard the story of Solomon before. Many of you know what he asked for. And so you could cheat and you could ask for the right thing. But God says, because it was in your heart to ask for wisdom. That's what Solomon asked for. He didn't ask for wealth, riches, long life, his success, power. He just said, I need wisdom. I'm a young man. You've given me this job to be the king and to lead this nation. I have no idea how to do it. I have no idea how to do it. That's what we call the power of ugly in this church. It's that ugliness of, of admitting I'm deficient. It's the ugliness of saying, help. It's the ugliness of saying, I don't know what to do. Do you know how many times over the years, if you sat under me long enough, how many times you've heard me say, I don't have a clue how to do this? And, and, and you know that people have this perception that we lead the church out of this vast reservoir of whatever, but we tap it dry, and I'm like, okay, God, what's next? We don't know. We're, we're just at his mercy to say, gone. how do you pastor through COVID? You know how you pastor through COVID? Help! Do I preach against mask or for mask? Am I getting the shot or not against the shot? Am I the vaxxer or non-vaxxer? Am I, am I going to be politically here, politically there? Am I going to blah, 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 blah? So I just took the approach of offending everybody. <laughs> and if you rode through the journey, I did. And some people that had a sense of humor survived. Those that didn't, didn't survive. They wanted me to be stronger on this or less on that or, you know, and pastors have gone insane 
Because here's the, here's the core of how you can lead and not be intimidated is that the best you know, you've got the wisdom of God on what he wants you to do. And then you let the chips land where they will. And if you're wrong or miss it, you say, God, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you clearly. I missed it on that. I thought that was your leadership. And so Solomon prays for wisdom. And God says, not only because you asked me for wisdom, which makes me really happy. He's a proud papa, the heavenly father. Because his son asked for a, a unselfish request. Instead of bless me, give me, serve me, lead me. You know, it was, I need wisdom to be a better leader. How about you as a husband? Have you ever been on your face? If you've been married more than a day, you, you realize you need wisdom. You're married to a woman. You can't figure a woman out in your own intelligence. A man can't figure, it's just God's still working on that. So you're not going to, so you're going to need wisdom. You're going to have to say, God, help. She's not like a man. That took a long time for me to learn. I'm not, she's not one of my men, man buddies, you know, and that was learn. And she's not my mama. Those were two lessons I had to learn early on. The day she said, get up, get your own sandwich. I'm like, wow, mama always made my sandwiches. So now I have a much better approach. I say, honey, you make the best Sammies. (laughs) I can't make a Sammy. And it's true. I'll go in and make me one, and she won't want one. And then she'll go in there, and in 10 minutes, she comes out with this amazing look. Where did you find that stuff? How did you? I'm eating this little thin piece of stale whatever, and she's heated it up and melted the cheese, and she's got the sauce dripping out of it. And... And she's like, well, you should ask me for one. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. You're not my mama. So I, I couldn't. But you can say, honey, you make the best Sammy. And it's true. And so wisdom in this series, if you learn anything, it's you need it. You can't make another step forward in wisdom till you know you don't have it. You don't have it. Why would the Bible, if you book the, read the book of Proverbs over and oh, get wisdom, search wisdom, find wisdom, pay the price, whatever the cost, search it out, get wisdom. You need, I mean, because we need it. So Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, said, God, I need wisdom. So God said, not only am I going to give you wisdom, I'm going to bless you with all these other things. And then said, seek first the kingdom of God. Solomon gives us that example. So God gives him the wisdom. He builds this temple. It's an amazing, it's just, it just glows with gold and glory. And it's just, it's just all that he does is, and touches has got the blessing of God. And his, the word about him gets out. And his fame spreads through trade and all of this. And this queen in Ethiopia hears about him. And we're going to pick up the story in Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. When the queen of Sheba heard that, don't, these are key phrases because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. She got a drift of the word of his, it, faith began to stir in her soul. And it says, she heard of Solomon's fame. She came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions, arriving with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold, precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. Let me just stop there. 
Many people miss this if you have the joy, as I do, of being able to read other people's opinions on the Bible. And it's okay. I I learn from them. I I glean. But most of them miss the fact that she didn't come as a a board game or a riddle fest or let me throw something at him that, you know, know, she came to know about life. She came to know about stuff that was like crucial. I got to know these things. Where did we come from? How did we get here? What's the purpose of existence? If you're going to go to someone that's got the wealth of wisdom that no one's ever seen, kings are coming, you're not going to ask them about some trivial, you know, some kind of nuanced whatever thing that you could get off on. She wants to know, how do you, how do you find, how do you find purpose? Where, where do, where's your joy? I've heard of this God, because remember, Solomon, if you've, if you've read it once, you've read it through chapters 21, you've read it, I think, at least four, maybe five times, if you're reading a chapter a day, uh, that in different ways, Solomon has said, the fear of the Lord, say it with me, is the beginning of wisdom. So if you don't have fear of God, you don't have wisdom. Without fear of God, that means a reverence, a respect, an acknowledgement of a wonder that God is God and I'm not. That's where wisdom begins. It begins and it's born in that little seed of, you're not God. You're not the Lord. You're not in charge. You're not the creator. You're not the maker. You're not the sovereign. You're just creation. Find your spot in worship of him, in reverence of him. Faith starts there. It starts with, there's a God out there. I need him. And this is where Solomon is answering because you'll see it in a minute you you'll you it build, you can build a case for this queen is seeking meaning and she's heard about the god of israel she's heard about the feats of god other nations have talked about them for years the crossing of the red sea was historic the parting of the jordan river the miracles that their god had, they'd heard about this wisdom so she's come and he's been answering her questions and verse 3 when the queen of sheba saw the wisdom of solomon as well as the palace he had built the food on his table the seating of his officials the attending servants in their robes. Can you imagine the ornate robes that he wore, they wore? The cupbearers in their robes and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. I love that word. It's used one other place in Joshua chapter 5 where the, the, the Canaanite, Amorite kings when Israel crosses the Jordan by miracle, their spirit leaves them. Uh, you, 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 they, they, were, they, were, they were just overwhelmed with the majesty, of the, the might of this God that they're going to have to deal with. And so with this queen, she's not overwhelmed with herself. She's not even overwhelmed with Solomon. That's, that's part of it. But she realizes where it comes from. When he takes her, a lot of people argue he would have never taken a pagan to the temple. Well, I disagree with that. And it, the Bible, to me, how do you see burnt offerings if you're not near the temple? She didn't go into it. But to be able to watch the worship 
and to understand the sacrifice. It's not trying to, to, to appease God, but it's pleasing God with a surrendered sacrifice of love and worship and adoration and learning about forgiveness. She learned about how that God forgives through sacrifice. So this is a woman that's, that's growing in wisdom every moment. She's absorbing. She's humbled herself. She's been hungry. I, I need, I, what's, it's not working for me. I don't know if she was married or not married. She could have had a harem of men. I don't know. But life, there was something missing. You don't search if there's not something missing. You look for things that are important. and something. There, there's, there's a, an intuitive sense, and it's in every human. There's this sense that something's not right. When I was in forestry school and studying all about plants and the forest, everything seemed to be in harmony except for one, and that was humans. Humans just seemed out of whack. They're destroying everything, the environment. They kill each other. They just, you know, and it just seemed like there's a problem here. I, I, I get it now that we have a problem with sin and we're away from our God, and when we are, we hurt people. We do bad things and we tear up the planet and we tear up each other. And, and so this queen, is, she's overwhelmed. This is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God has overwhelmed her. She's like, there's a God of gods. All these idols I've been worshiping are nothing. Clearing them off the shelf. This is the living God. And then it says, after she's overwhelmed, she said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe what they said until I came and I saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom has been told me. You have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy are your men who, how your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Pray. Now look at, don't miss this. Verse nine, eight. Praise be to the Lord. She uses the word Jehovah. Praise be to the Jehovah, God, your God, who delighted in you and placed you on this throne as king to rule for the Lord your God because the love of your God for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever. He's made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. And then it goes through a list of all the gold and spices and frankincense. Does that remind you of a story? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Does it remind you of some other people that went a great distance and searched for someone that they heard of? Yet the very people that were supposed to know that were nearest to him wouldn't take a step to go find him, but they came thousands of miles to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the, the one born king. This is the queen searching for that wisdom that the wise men were searching for, the king. And she's found in Solomon the, 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 the expression of the wisdom of God. She's seen it in the temple. She's seen it in the servants. She's seen it at his table spread. She's seen it in the, in the sacrifices in the temple. She's enthralled with God. Now she gives him these gifts, but he gives her more. Verse 12, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for and gave her more than she had brought to him. Then she left and returned with her retune. How do you say that word? Ret- ret- 
anyway, her caravan, I'm going to use the word, to her own country. Now, do you think she went home the same or different? You think she went home bragging about Solomon or bragging about his God? It always irks people, uh, you know, it irks people that don't come here, especially like husbands, when a woman comes home and talks about, oh, my pastor, all oh, the pastor, 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 pastor. That's not going to motivate your husband to want to come to church. He didn't want to hear about another man being a great guy and all you ought to hear. Because you don't live with this guy. My wife would like to take you to this side and say, before you get all caught up here, let me just give you a little reality check. (laughs) There was a time she thought I was the Antichrist. So let me just help you. Better to come home and talk about Jesus. It's Jesus. It's, 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 I'm impressed with Jesus. That's what we talk about the power of ugly in this church is don't get caught up in us because you're going to get let down. You're going to see humanness and flawedness and impatience. I listened to Wolfgang and Bridget and I thought, ooh, when she said, you know, it's, you must be patient with one another. I'm like, ooh, why'd you use that word, that dirty word, patience? Mm, that was just such good advice. I mean, literally. Just to, to, you're going to have fights, you're going to argue, but respect each other. Uh, disagree, but respect each other. Be patient, and she's always right. I mean, come on, is there another marital? Uh, if there's more marriage counseling than that, I, don't come to me. I'll send you to Wolfgang and Bridget. Just uh, All I know is I'm going to quote Wolfgang and Bridget. There's a lot of wisdom in that. You ever been right and lonely? Men, you like being right or you like being close? I like to be close. (laughs) Crash the plane. Wisdom comes by great expense. So here's I want to kind of bring this all the way around and bring it back to where we started with Jesus lifting this, this woman up, saying, this queen, she's going to be a witness. She went home a witness. Now, whether she was pregnant with Solomon's baby or not, that's an Ethiopian tradition that she went home and bore a king. They have a name. They've been tradition throughout thousands of years for their ancestry going back. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but I know this. She did go home pregnant. She was pregnant with wisdom of the living God. She was pregnant with the fear of the Lord. She had seen and witnessed his wonders and his works through one of his servants, Solomon. She even testified for God so loved the world that he gave, or God so loved Israel that he gave Solomon his son. Now you come to the New Testament for God so loved the world. He didn't send us a Solomon. He sent his son, Jesus. He didn't send us one that had to pray for wisdom. He sent us one that was wisdom. He is all the wisdom that God contains is in Jesus Christ. He is the source of wisdom that Solomon gained from. He's the one that was with God in the beginning of creation, creating the universe. And so Jesus comes along and he uses his story in such a powerful, challenging way to me. I think about the fact that the opportunities that she had were very limited because she had to travel such a length to get to what she'd heard of as wisdom. Where we have it right here. Jesus is like standing there going, hello, I'm here. Solomon was a long ways away. 
And she made the trip. You won't walk across the street to hear me talk. You won't sit at my feet like Mary and listen to my words. You mock me. You neglect me. I'm too familiar. But just think of the contrast now between Jesus and Solomon. Jesus says, I'm greater. In fact, he minimizes Solomon in such a way that in Matthew 6, when he's talking about don't worry, don't be worried about what you're going to wear and where he said, even Solomon in all of his glorious wonder and clothing wasn't clothed like one little lily of the field. Now think about that. God says, I'm not real impressed with what you can make. I like what I make. Have you seen a flower lately? I mean, look, I don't care what we make as humans. The best we can do is try to replicate what God's already made. Have you watched a sunset recently? And can you find somebody that can, well, I've seen a painting of it. Yeah, it's a a black and white compared to what God does in the, the majesty of creation. So Jesus comes along and says, I'm greater than Solomon. There's no pride in that. It's just a fact. My wisdom is far superior. But you say, wait a minute. The queen came and she saw a temple. Where's your temple, Jesus? He said to that very temple that they had rebuilt. He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And they said, Jesus, it took us 40 years to build this temple. And he wasn't talking about the building. He was talking about his body. He brought the temple of God. God was in him. He was the holy place. He was the Ark of the Covenant. He was all that the Old Testament reflected. He was that temple. But if you had to have eyes of faith to see, there's a greater glory in Jesus being the temple than the very temple of the Old Testament that ended up getting destroyed because when Jesus got crucified, that temple rose again. Amen? It's a living temple, never to die. But, but you say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about, what about all the, 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 the wonders and the, and the, and the, the beauty, the gold? And, and, well, in the New Testament, gold is uh, used symbolically for our faith. Faith is more precious than gold. Our our faith is tested by fire like gold is tested. And, And Jesus brought gold, much superior to the gold of Solomon. He brought the gold of faith. What about the people that hung around Solomon and their ornate robes and the who's who and the bright people? Jesus had fishermen that smelled like fish. He had Harlots that look like harlots. He had tax collectors that looked like rip-off tax collectors. Which, by the way, my little subtle note, everybody's all been out of shape. You got 70,000 more. Why don't you pray for them to all become Christians? 70,000. Matthew did. Levi. 70,000 Levi's. Put it on the Facebook. Believe in God to convert. Or as someone else has said, go get a job being one of them. Be a Christian tax collector and bring morality and faith to it. Don't go getting bent out of shape by the world when they throw stuff at you to get you because it's a broken world. We're going to learn in this season of wisdom that the world is not living that way. And, and we're going to reap a whirlwind. You, you can't live the way we're living in America. 
and, 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 and reap righteous good things. It's just not going to happen. You can't do what we're doing to marriage, to children, to sexuality. You can't live that way and expect the blessings of God to come on your life and on this country. And as Billy Graham's wife, who's now joined him, uh, or he actually went after her. But she said, if, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah had no churches. Sodom and Gomorrah had no Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah had one witness. This queen, Jesus raises her up to say, wait a minute. She came and she was taken in with the wonders of listening to Solomon, but you won't even come listen to me. And the ones that did come and listen, they looked like the motley crew, and they looked like they were dressed as just disheveled uh, poor people. But Jesus is putting a robe on them that we talked about in our Christian wardrobe series. And that prostitute's now dressed in righteousness. That tax collector's now dressed in the ornate robe of the high priest that Jesus makes us to be, a priest unto him. There's a, but you have to see in the spirit. There's not a temple. There's Jesus. There's not wow factor robes. There's righteousness that God gives. There's not a sacrifice over and over again. There's one on the cross. Jesus' wisdom isn't just about all the different things. He could have talked to people on a level that everybody would have said, huh, what? Have you ever heard someone talk like that? Internet, someone doing a podcast, they're really brilliant. And they get done and you go, wow, that was, that was interesting. What, what'd they say? I don't know. But it was, it was deep. In our culture, deep means I don't understand it. Deep to Jesus was, you sow a seed in the ground, the birds come and pluck it up, and the seed doesn't grow. And that's how the devil steals the Bible out of our hearts. He tells us simple stories of earthly things. The birds of the air, they make their nest. They don't see them all full of anxiety. They're not on medication. They're not worrying about what they Just study the birds a little bit. Solomon talked about studying the ants. Jesus talked about studying the birds. He brought an earthly, relatable down ordinary but life-changing wisdom the wisdom that we'll see with jesus is not brain surgery it's it's just it's just it's just truth it's clear it cuts through the confusion and the maze of is it this letter and that letter and should i identify and should i do and should i but what should i it cuts through all of the uh, the the confusion of the world in a simple way that we have a god that loves us he have a God that sent his son for us. We know where we came from. I don't need Stephen Hawkins trying to tell me the origins of the universe. God bless him and he's figuring it out now. He's smarter than I'll ever be. But he didn't have wisdom. He didn't know God that made the universe. You don't start with the complexities of all the mysteries and the, all the, 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 you know, you start with the simple things. Jesus came along. And he oriented people to what's really important. But yet, they didn't come and listen. He's right here. You just think about America, how many churches we have. When you travel in other places that are devoid of churches, and, and Europe is, is, is like a blackout. With, with You know, you go to England and you just see church after church that's just been shut down and turned into something else. And the witness and the light is flickering. But when it shines the brightest, there's what's called comparable guilt, comparison. In other words, Jesus is saying, this woman, 
She had her bad, but look what she did. She's going to rise up and be a witness to you that had way more understanding, had way more revelation, like with Jonah. They're going to stand in judgment and say, look how the people responded to this rebellious prophet that spent three days and nights in a whale, and they listened to him. But here's the Son of God that made you, the creator of you, and you blew him off. That's serious stuff. This queen is a witness to searching out what's most important at whatever cost it takes. It was more valuable than her gold. It was more valuable than her pride. It was more valuable than her comfort. And we live in a country where faith is not often that important. At most, it's a one day a week thing. But our passion and my passion is that we'll be like that queen, that we're going to go after wisdom. And we're going to let it mold us and shape. It's, a, it's painful to read Proverbs. Have you read any of it? It's painful. It'll mess with you. People all the time want to mess with the Bible, but they don't want the Bible to mess with them. But it's not written for me to mess with it. It's written to mess with me. It'll mess with my viewpoint. It'll mess with my selfishness. It'll mess with my word. Because God doesn't want us to live, as one proverb says, there's a way that seems right, but it ends in destruction. We have in a whole country that's living in what seems right. But just because something seems right, or this particular person says it's right or this group says it's right doesn't make it right so wisdom is filled with discernment it's filled with truth it's filled with God's perspective of how things are meant to work and when you do things your way not God's way you can't expect it to end in God's blessing you've got to build your life on his wisdom not yours I, I tell you, if, there, if there's a prayer I've prayed, uh, it's been ever since uh, my wife and I are coming up on 45 years uh, of pastoring and leading and preaching the gospel. And, and I've prayed for nothing more than wisdom for all these years because it, with, I, I know what Jamie does in his own understanding. I know what my choices can be if I'm left to myself and that desperateness of I need wisdom. And, 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 and I thought I needed wisdom when I first got saved, but then God gave me a wife. And I know it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. I'm serious. I had clueless on how to treat a woman and how to, how to honor her and respect her and serve her. And, you know, it's, it's taken, it's, it's been painful learning it. And then you get children and they're even worse than a wife. And it's like they mess with all your time and, and they spend all your money. And I'll, I'll never forget this one here that led us in singing. I got a $900 phone bill one month, nine. And that's back when $900 would be like three grand today. She didn't understand to collect call from a boy that she missed and talk to for nine hours on the phone with a collect call. I got on my hands and knees on the phone begging the, 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 
the people at the phone thing. And it's not, I didn't talk to anybody for nine hours on the phone. I understand what a collect call costs. And you, you, you grow in wisdom. It's painful because you, they bring you to that point where you're, you're exhausted and you don't know what to do. And then you cry out to Jesus. And it's not a magic wand, but it's, God, I need you to hold my hand and take me through this. Life's too complicated. It's too hard. It's too. It's not going to get simpler. It's not going to get easier in the days ahead. We have crazy people that are have no wisdom, but a lot of authority. And those days are here, and, and we can pray, and we can believe, and you can vote, and you can campaign for whoever, whatever. The reality is we have a world that's not walking in the wisdom of God. And the Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And he's not impressed with it. He's not like, I love your psychology. Let me pick up a few clues from it. No, it's like it's broken. It's corrupt. It's left God out. And when you leave God out, that's called ungodly. And the Bible says in Psalms 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to walk around calling people fools, but I understand the darkness. They're saying that that heart has no wisdom. We have education, we have intellect, we have knowledge, but wisdom is about intelligence that is spiritual first. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. You have no biblical wisdom till you have a relationship with the God that made you. That's where you start. Then you start with, I've got to listen to him. So this woman showed the cost of coming to get wisdom. What will you take? When's the last time you've got on your face? Take the book of Proverbs and pray through it. That's what I do every day. I take chapter one. We're on day 21 today. So I just prayed through, and, I, and some verses are more applicable, and they stand up more. I may journal on, but I'll just pray through it. Lord, thank you that the king's heart is in your hands. Oh, God, guide my heart. Let my heart be in your hands. Guide it where you want it to go. Lord, keep me from foolish lips. Lord, keep me from speaking things that are dishonest. Lord, help me to have a balanced weight. Let me be fair in business dealings. Help me lead God in fairness. And, and Lord, keep me as a, 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 a depend, you know. So I just, I pray through it. I pray it into me. I pray it into my heart, my life. I pray it for my kids, my grandkids. Pray for wisdom. Because we're, we're, we're in a, we're, our compass, we're in a world where our leaders have a broken compass. And they're going, yeah, I think north's this way. Your compass is broken. You can't tell me where north is. You don't know where it is. You have a broken compass. And God's given us a compass in Jesus and his spirit that we know north. We know the way to the path to the Lord is through Jesus. We know where forgiveness is. So the wisdom that Jesus, what about the table? Solomon had this massive, what does Jesus bring? Just the bread of heaven. Come and feast of me. Because the bread Solomon gave them, they got hungry after they ate it. The bread that Jesus gives, never get hungry again. Do you know Solomon, great as he was, he ended poorly. He had his foreign wives that drew his heart away from God. He became an idol worshiper. Jesus never ended poorly. He ended on a cross for us, but he was raised from the grave to forever sit on the throne. No human, even Solomon is worthy to put our focus on whatever good and whatever wisdom Solomon had was a gift from God. Jesus contained it, didn't need a gift. Jesus was 
God's wisdom in a body, in a human. His words, his actions, his deeds. So let's pay attention to him. Let's give him some time. Whether you're reading Proverbs, you're still listening to Jesus. Or whether you're reading the Gospel of Luke. It's, Lord, speak to me. Give me your wisdom. I'm desperate without it. I'm clueless without it. I'm hopeless without it. I'm lost without it. Wisdom begins when you know that you don't have it. That's when you start the journey. When you say, I don't have it. I don't know. Because as long as you think you know, you don't know. As long as you think you can do it, you won't need him. So I'm happy that God has put me in places throughout my whole life, and he keeps putting me in places of life where it's over my head. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. So what do you do? You press into him. You read his word. You talk to wise counsel. You get encouragement. You worship him. You know, more answers have come to me in worship when I'm not worrying about the answers. Wisdom. God wants. If Jesus tells a story, if it means anything, it's I'm accessible. Come here. I'm right nearby. You don't have to cross the desert to get to Jesus. You don't have to go anywhere. He's near. He's welcoming. So let the queen of Sheba lead you. I think she's a witness to a one that's hungry for wisdom and found it and went home with it and now rises up as a witness for us. Let's don't take advantage. Let's don't neglect the privileges we have living in a country that has much gospel witness, hearing the word of God accessible. And many other countries don't have that. We do. And to whom much is given, much is required. Comparative guilt I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be judged the same way somebody in 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 communist China that's never heard the gospel is gonna be. I've heard it, lived it, read it, know it. I got a high standard. God's gonna hold me to. He's got a high standard. He's gonna call people that have been exposed to the light in such a great way and yet neglect it, take it for granted. So she's a great witness. What a great day to celebrate an African queen. Sheba is going to be amazing to meet because she's a testimony to a heart that hungered for wisdom and went after it. So let it be our hearts. Amen? Let's stand up together and pray. You know, just take this moment, just standing before the Lord, and the beginning of wisdom that she learned was the discovery that God is real, that God loved her. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So Jesus is near. You don't have to take some far away journey to try to find him. He's near. He's inviting. He's welcoming. And you may be here and you've not begun your journey with him. You've known about God maybe or you've been uncertain. But you've never established a personal relationship with Christ. That's the beginning of wisdom. Will you take Jesus at his promise that whoever calls upon him will be saved? You can do that in a simple prayer right now. The beginning of wisdom is to see that you can't be your own savior and no one else will be your savior. There's only one savior. His name is Jesus. He's the king. So invite him. Invite him to come and be your Lord. Just say, Jesus. 
Please come and be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I need your wisdom in my life. I need you to guide me, lead me, teach me, love me. Thank you, Jesus. Then thank him. He heard your cry. Many of us, have we've prayed that prayer and we have that relationship, but are we taking advantage of it in a good way? We never stop seeking for more wisdom, more understanding, to know him better, to serve him better, to make wiser decisions. God forbid that we should make any decisions without consulting his wisdom. And where you have, you you bring them and lay it at his feet and say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for leading my life without seeking your wisdom. Lord, would you give courage to that one or two that need to take a stand this morning and say yes to Jesus as their Lord. Amen.